got to wheel my pulpit back here. There we go. Parents, if you have young ones with you, our nursery typically is through age three. But if you have four-year-olds, they have plenty of help back there today. So if you have four-year-olds, you want to put them in the nursery, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, on a normal Sunday, uh, we'd have children's church, which is uh, age four through second grade. Uh, so that's always an option if you decide to come back, if you're visiting. Uh, but let me say this. Children are always welcome in the service. You know, I'm, I'm no stranger to squirming in the pews. I've got seven kids, so I know how it is. Uh, and if, if at all you need to excuse yourself, that's fine too. No judgment. Uh, but kids are always welcome here. And uh, kids, if you want to color on something, you're welcome to do that. But uh, I'm going to try to keep this brief today. There we go. We've got a few four-year-olds. The four-year-old exodus happening right now. All right, so last week at VBS, the kids, or the mates as we called them. By the way, good day, mates. All right. They learned all about how God values life. And so we should value life too. Every person, no matter how big or how small or how smart or not, or how young or how old, is of great value to God because he made them he made all of us in his own image. But why does God value life so much? Why is it that God values life so much? What is it about life that he should love it so much? And I think the answer is in the Bible. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 14, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is life. Acts chapter 3, Peter, in a sermon, he refers to Jesus as the author of life. He made life. He is life. Do you see how amazing this is? Only God can, can create life because he is life itself. You know what? Many scientists are just fascinated by life. Uh, they're obsessed with it. Uh, and the most brilliant minds in our world today have studied life to figure out just what it is and where it comes from and, and how to create it. But, but the best and the brightest minds of our day never have been able to create life in a laboratory. The smartest people in our world can't even create the simplest single-cell organism in a laboratory. They don't know how to do it. They don't know where it comes from. They can't figure that out. But the scripture tells us that God spoke life into existence from nothing. Our great God, while scientists are spinning their wheels and trying to do the best they can in the laboratory, God, it's just as easy as speaking. He creates life. He is life. So I want to show you this morning, I want to show you this morning in the scriptures, how Jesus, the author of life, wants to give you spiritual life that you may be a life giver to others. And so I want to invite you to grab your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible this morning, if you didn't come with one, you forgot one, that's okay. We have pew Bibles in front of you. Uh, Feel free to make use of those. We're going to be in the the book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Every week I encourage 
people here to open your Bibles because the Bible here is our authority. That's what we believe. The Bible is our highest authority, not me. Uh, anything that I have to say of value on a Sunday morning uh, comes right from the Word. And so I invite you to look at it for yourself. You know, and I've, I think I've said this before. If, if I'm not preaching the Word, I want you to tell me, right? Uh, come tell me about it. Uh, and if you don't own a Bible and you need to use one of our pew Bibles, uh, feel free to take that home as our gift to you today. Uh, and by the way, it's on page 1159 if you need help finding it. 1159 in our pew Bibles. All right, once you're there, uh, I'd, like you to, I'd like to invite you to stand with me if you're able. We make a practice of doing this just out of reverence and, and respect for God's word. And uh, follow along with me as I read. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your perfect plan to send Jesus to this earth and to live and to die and to rise again, taking our place, bearing the punishment for our sin. Holy Spirit, we thank you uh, for the work that you do in our hearts, and we pray right now that you would open the eyes of our hearts that we may see and understand and cherish your word this morning. Uh, May your word and the power of your spirit change us today and make us more like Jesus. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Okay, so I've got three points this morning. Dead, made alive, and giving life. And I'm hoping to keep this on the shorter side. So first notice, first point, dead. First notice that Paul is writing to Christians. He says in verse 1 that they were dead, past tense. This is important because there is a sense in which anyone and everyone, before they become a Christian, is dead. Is dead. Now, they're not physically dead. We know this because we're walking around, we're breathing air, uh, there's brain activity. So we know we're not physically dead. So how are people dead before they become Christians? Paul says they're dead in their trespasses and sins. In verse 1, sin makes us spiritually dead. 
And it's the cause of all eventual physical death. And if not dealt with before we die, results in eternal death. So let me help you understand why this is. Remember, God is life and the author of life. And the Bible teaches that we are made for God. And sin is the rejection of the author of life and life itself. And choosing instead to live a self-focused life when we're made to live a God-focused life. Martin Luther uh, described sin as a person being curved in on oneself. God designed us to live with him in the center of our lives. But in your sin, you make you the center of your life. And this makes you spiritually dead. And so the choice to live a a you-centered life is a choice to live apart from God. And because God is life, this makes you spiritually dead. Think of it like this. Uh, Kids, what does a flower need to grow? What does a flower need to have life? Anyone know? This is interactive. You can actually talk right now. Yeah? Eli? Soil. Soil. Yeah, good. What else does does a flower need? Sun, right? You need sun. Flower needs water, right? Well, what if a flower suddenly said, you know what? Soil, water, sun, those things are overrated. They're old-fashioned. You know? I think I could make myself happier if I lived in a dark cave and drank Pepsi all day. Right? Uh, that, what would happen to that flower? What would happen to that flower? It would die. right? Because it's rejecting the very things it needs to have life. And that's what sin does. It rejects God, the author of life. And because we're made for him, and to have him in the center of our lives, rejecting him results in death. Verse 3 describes this self-centered living as living in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of of our body and our mind. And I think it's no secret today that our, our world says to us that the only way you you can really know yourself is as if you look in. You know, look in. Look inward. Follow the desires of your heart. We've all heard this many times, right? Uh, live your truth. Find your truth. You do you are things we hear in our culture. And it's what we're, what's preached at to us uh, constantly in, in media and just everywhere we look, really. But when we look inward to find ourselves, we're turning away from God. We're turning away from life. Living this way is to view all of life through the lens of this one question. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Or how will this benefit me? Right? That's, that's how a, a me-centered life is oriented. Now, living this way could make you a cruel, mean person stepping on weaker people to get the things that you want, but it can also make you a very moral person or even a religious person, so long as those things are used by you to get the things that you want. If they're to your advantage, you'll use them in that way. Because you learn that if you act a certain way, then more people will like you and approve of you. 
And that affirmation and approval give you that happiness that you crave. People like me, this feels really good, right? So I'm going to continue being a moral or even a religious person because people like me when I do that. But this is exhausting. Because you, you have to keep feeding this craving uh, to continue receiving that praise from others and that happiness you long for. And this can be so fickle. Say or do the wrong thing and you could be cut off, rejected. This is not life. This is no way to live. True life is the exact opposite. You will only be satisfied and truly know who you are when we look to your creator and embrace who it is that he says that you are. Now, one more thing before we move on to point two. I just want to point out the obvious problem with being spiritually dead. Uh, So I brought a friend to help me out with this. Huh? So this is a, a koala... We learned this week that they're not technically bears. They're marsupials, by the way. But, uh, so this is a koala. And, well, not a real koala. Uh, and thank you, Barbara Larson, for lending this to me. This is actually real koala fur. And uh, was it your mom who got this? Your grandmother who got this in Australia. Um, but let me ask you, is, is, this, is this koala alive? Kids? No? All right. Thank you. All right. Could, could I play fetch with this koala? You know, I'll be like, here, go, go get it. <laughs> you know, why, why can't it do that? What's that? It's a stuffed animal, right? Uh, does this does this have any life? No, right. And so, if we don't have life, what what kind of things can we do? If we don't have life, if we're dead, what can you do? Nothing. Good. Yeah, you, you can't do anything. And so if we are spiritually dead, and I'll leave that right there. It'll be our mascot for the sermon. Uh, if we're spiritually dead, what is it that you can do to respond to God? Nothing, right? If you're dead, you can't do anything. So this is a problem. This is a real problem. We can't make ourselves alive. So if, if you are spiritually dead, like the Bible teaches, then we, we have a big problem. And we can't do anything about it. We need to be made alive. And that's our next point. Made alive. This is the good news. Paul writes in verses 4 to 5, But God. Don't you love that? There's all this bad news in verses 1 to 3. You know, sin and uh, you're dead. And <laughs> you're like, man, I need to pick me up this morning. And that wasn't what I needed, right? Uh, but it gets better, right? We get to verse 4 and we've, we, we see these two words. But God. We're so thankful for that. But God, being rich in mercy, mercy is withholding uh, anything bad that we do deserve. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead. We didn't do anything to merit this favor from God. Even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Amen. God makes us alive even when we were dead. He doesn't say to us, hey, just try a little harder. I'm up here, guys. You know, just, you're so close. Just jump a little higher. Uh, 
try a little bit, uh, reach a little bit further. You're, you're almost there. You can do it. No, in fact, this is how all dead man-made religion functions. It's just a list of things you've got to do to get yourself up to God. And it's exhausting and it never works. And it doesn't give you life. There's, again, what can dead people do? Nothing, right? So Christianity is the exact opposite. Jesus came down to us. He came down to us to save us from our sin, to make us alive. And here's what this looks like. We talked about this. If, if sin is putting yourself in the center of your life where only God deserves to be, then Jesus saves you by putting himself where we deserve to be. He died on the cross. He paid for our sin. And he rose from the dead. He paid the price for our sin, what we deserve. He took our place. And this means that we are saved from the death of our self-centeredness. We're, we're saved by this, by the most unself-centered thing anyone has ever done when Jesus died in our place on the cross. Jesus took your seat so that you could be seated with him in the heavenly places, it says in verse 6. This is a place of great honor and of great glory, and Jesus gives this to us. Now, verses 8 and 9 tell you how to receive this gift. Verse 8 puts it positively, while verse 9 puts it negatively. You are saved by grace through faith, verse 8 says. Grace is being given something good that you don't deserve. See how mercy and grace uh, kind of go together. Mercy is being, you know, is having a, a bad thing that you do deserve withheld, and grace is be, being given a good thing that you don't deserve, right? Uh, and those are beautiful things. You can't be good enough. You can't be smart enough to earn the life Jesus offers. It's a gift. No good thing you can do will earn this, and that's Paul's point in verse 9. But every gift must be received. And the way you receive this gift is by faith. Faith is a biblical word that simply means to trust. Believing that Jesus died and rose again to pay for your sin, faith makes Jesus alone your confidence for being forgiven of your sin and for being made alive and made right with God. Christians, one day, one day you will all stand before God, and you won't be able to point to a single thing or a single reason that you did anything to get you there. No, you'll only be able to point to Jesus. I sometimes ask someone, you know, if, if you were to stand before God today, what, what reason would you give him for letting you into heaven? And the only answer any of us can ever give is, I don't deserve to be here at all. I'm only here because of Jesus. I'm only here because of Jesus. Have you received this gift of grace for yourself? That's my question for you this morning. The gift of forgiveness, the gift of eternal life. If not, exercise your faith today. Trust Jesus to save you. Make him your confidence. The kids learned this week that God made them on purpose and for a purpose. That purpose starts 
by trusting Jesus to save you. But that's just the beginning. We never move on from that. We're always trusting Jesus. I need Jesus today just as much as I did the first day I put my trust in Jesus. We never move on from that, but it's just the beginning. This is our last point, giving life. Verse 10 shows, this is actually the memory verse, the kids, the last one they said before uh, uh, they were done up here. In it, Paul teaches that God created us for good works, to walk in them. Is Paul's way of saying, make doing good works the pattern of your life. Live this way. Live this way. And this is the purpose. The, the good works, it's not a mystery. We don't have to find it written in the sky, in the clouds, or hidden under a rock. God has given us his word, the Bible, to know what his purposes are for us, to know what these good works are that he's prepared for us. We have the Bible to know that. And we have something else. We have the church. The church is here to help you, to help you discover your, your purposes that God has for you in the scriptures and to live them out. This is why a big part of God's purpose for you is to belong to a church, is to belong to a church that faithfully preaches the word, a church that will point you to Jesus consistently. Another good work God has given you to do is to be a giver of life to others, to be a giver of life. Now that you've been made alive and put your faith in Jesus, he wants you to participate with him in bringing this life to others. Isn't that incredible? That God wants you to participate with him in a work that he is doing? It's something we call the Great Commission. It's found at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. And get this, it's a co-mission. Because you're not alone in this mission. You get to participate with Jesus in his mission to save dead sinners. We don't make anyone alive. That's not uh, in our ability to do that. It's way above our, our, our pay grade. But we get to point others to the only one who can give them life. And that's a work that we have, that we've been given. So if you're here today and you've never made a decision to put your faith in Jesus, make today the day. Make today the day you trust Jesus. Know that you're spiritually dead and are on a path to eternal death, living apart from the author of life. Ask Jesus to save you, to forgive your sin, to make you alive. If you're a Christian if you're already a Christian, or maybe just became one today, if so, that's awesome. Know that a big part of God's purpose for you is to belong to a church that's on mission together and that's pointing others to Jesus, the author of life. This is the mission of our church. And if you don't have a Bible-teaching, God-centered church that you call home, you are welcome here. You're always welcome here. We'd love to have you join us on this mission. Now, before I pray, let me just say that if you made a decision to trust Jesus today to save you from your sin, let me know by using that Connect card in the, in the pew back in front of you. You can indicate that on there. Put, put your basic contact information there. 
Uh, you can drop that in the offering plate on the way out the door. Or if you're new today and you've never filled out a connection card, give that to uh, someone at the Connection Center. And we actually have a gift for you. If you're new and you're visiting today for the first time on a Sunday, uh, we have a, a gift for you. We just ask that you fill out that Connect card, give that to us, and we'll give you a gift after uh, the service. Uh, the Connection Center, uh, if you need to know where it is, it's the big tree right now in the center of the, the foyer. You can use that same Connect card to request more information about our church uh, and what next steps we offer to help you grow in your faith. And so make use of that. Uh, pray with me now. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much that you are the way, the truth, and the life. We thank you uh, that you offer this wonderful gift to us, free, no strings attached, Thank you that while we were dead in our sins, you make us alive. You make us alive. And God, I pray that there be anyone here today who's yet to put their trust in you, Jesus, to forgive their sin and to give them life, to make them part of your family. God, I pray that they would do so today. There's no time like the present because tomorrow is never a guarantee. And God, we want everyone here to know the life that Jesus offers. We pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Now we're gonna we're gonna sing a hymn. Uh, we didn't do any real congregational singing. We we do make a practice of doing that on a Sunday morning. But we're gonna end by doing that. So I invite you to stand. We're gonna sing a hymn called "Take My Life."